It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's dirty driving. A Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to another episode of Dirty Driving. Hello, everyone. We are so ready to be talking about our latest race, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It was a time. I don't know if it was a good time for all, but but it was a time. (laughs) Definitely was a good time for me. I think I maybe had too good of a time. I know Megan had a good time because if you didn't know, because you're not following us on social media, which you should be, it's at Dirty Driving Pod on Instagram, you would know that Megan went to a bar yesterday, a new bar in St. Louis, to try out this. It's Is it an F1 bar or is it – tell me more about it. So it's actually connected to like a soccer bar. Um, St. Louis is a huge soccer town and um, – there's a bar downtown called Amsterdam Tavern, and next to it is this new place called Trace Equis, which is a Mexican restaurant that is going to show every single F1 race, regardless of what time. They're going wow. to open to show pre-race. They do a, a blind driver drawing. So you throw $10 in, you draw out of this like really ridiculous like vase thing a driver, and if you draw the winning driver then you win the pool of money um but yeah it's amazing drinks um it's a huge group of people actually like the whole place was full and i we found it kind of on accident and i thought you know there'd be i don't know maybe the bar would be full but not like packed the place was full like standing room there were five people in danny rick stuff there was a dude in a hot hat like, the place was hopping for F1. And I'm not just saying, like, casual viewers. Like, people were afraid to go to the bathroom to miss something, viewers. Wow. I love that. I can't wait to come home and come with you because let me tell you, I think – I don't know if you already said it. I might have missed it. But Megan had a good time yesterday. <laughs> I literally am never going back. I mean, I'm going to go back. But right now I'm feeling like death. <laughs> And I, on the other hand, am completely jet-lagged, but back. We're in the studio again. Megan and I are ready to talk about the Saudi Arabian GP, and it was I, – I think it was a pretty entertaining race. I enjoyed it. It was quick. I was blown away by how fast the race was. It was like it started, and it was over, and I think that was what my issue was yesterday is that – the race was like an hour and 40 minutes. And in that hour and 40 minutes, I just maybe had one too many margaritas. Well, we will definitely, she'll be back at the bar for sure. I'm going to come to St. Louis and check out the bar. Uh, I'm I'm excited to try it because if you feel the way you feel, then it must be a good time is all I've got to say. I'm feeling pretty rough. And the race was at noon yesterday. <laughs> And, like, the best part about it, I'm sorry I'm bringing this up, is she called me and I was getting off the plane and she was at her parents' house and she's sipping on martinis. And I'm, like, I literally said to myself, I was, like, oh, tomorrow morning is going to be rough. And then she texted me this morning and she's, like, I feel like death. And I was, like, 
I'm pretty sure I told you to have a glass of water last night. <laughs> I think I had like seven glasses of water and I still <laughs> feel like this. So needless to say, uh, that F1 bar that's not an F1 bar in St. Louis <laughs> is my new favorite place. I'll be a regular in no time. I'm pretty sure everybody already knows me there. I'm dying. That's hilarious. And if you were there yesterday and you're listening to this episode, thank you so much. We appreciate the support and we will see you next time. We are at, what's the name of the bar again, Megan? Trace Eckes. And let me say, <laughs> the highlight of the day was me meeting the Haas fan, the Haas stan, who li- the Haas fan, the Haas stan. <laughs> That's amazing. I just came up with that off the top of my head. Um, I think I might still be drunk. Um, No, he was like a diehard fan, Katie. Like, been, like, Gunther Steiner's, like, number one fan. Like, he bought the boat. Like, the Ikea boat. He bought it. No. No, I don't believe I don't know if it... I don't know if it was real or not. That's the only thing I remember from that conversation was that he has been a fan since the beginning and he bought the Gunther Steiner boat. I love that. I want to talk to him about where that is placed in his home. Like, is it in the foyer? Or is it tucked in tucked in an office or a room or Do you think he was bullshitting me? I think he was bullshitting me. <laughs> he probably was <laughs> <laughs> he totally was bullshitting me and I took it as fact. I think I told like seven other people that I met a man who bought the Gunther Steiner boat. <laughs> I genuinely thought this, this was all real until just this moment. I'm putting it together that he maybe was We're putting it together that maybe he did not buy the Ikea boat. But that's okay. Totally you know what? Right. We're good. I'm proud We're of good. you. I'm proud of you to coming for, for coming to those conclusions on your own. I'm with my help a little. It. I'm kind of mad that he did, that he bullshitted me about it. Well, we'll see him next time we're there, and we'll ask him. I'm gonna be like, "Did you buy the boat? <laughs> were you bullshitting?" <laughs> we need to know. We need to fact check this. I want pics where it didn't happen. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm feeling very drunk again. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to get us going with uh, practice and qualifying? Yeah, we should probably just get to it here. Okay, yeah, let's, let's talk about practice. Practice was controlled and dominated by Ferrari. Leclerc went fastest in FP1 and FP2 on Friday. And this is the best part about FP1 and FP2. Really, was it the best part? I'm not sure. Julian Palmer <laughs> coined a new <laughs> phrase. He Leclerc'd it. <laughs> when... When Charles Leclerc hit the wall in practice, I can't even handle myself right now. He Leclerc'd it. I and mean, then, he's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. He he's is not, not wrong. wrong. So Charles Leclerc Leclerc'd it, and then Carlos Sainz Leclerc'd it as well. <laughs> FP2 was delayed by 15, minute, 15 minutes after a meeting was called by the F1 boss to... F- Stefano Domenicali to discuss the nearby. Wow, I am just. <laughs> you got this. You got. I this. am not pulling it together today to discuss <laughs> the nearby oil depot attack, which everyone could see from the track, and we could all see it on TV. I don't think 
that image of the cars zooming past is like the black smoke is billowing in the background is going to disappear from anyone's memory anytime soon. That night, Friday night, there would be a four and a half hour meeting between the drivers about a decision on whether or not to race. Ultimately, you know, it's Monday morning. We had the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. We know it actually did go on, but I think there is a lot of questions that came up this weekend and are still really to be fully addressed about whether or not racing there is going to continue and what racing is going to look like in countries where it is questionable. Saturday morning, we would see Leclerc go fastest again in FP3 with Max Verstappen only 0.033 seconds behind him. But the real story on Saturday was qualifying. And let me tell you, I don't think we'll ever have a qualifying. I say that and and we're going to have an insane qualifying in two weeks. I should just take it back now. But really, Saturday afternoon's qualifying session was probably one of the most amazing qualifying sessions. Not the crash. I'd like to point that out. Not the crash. That was horrific. But Q3 was probably the most exciting Q3 I have seen in a hot fucking minute. I would agree. I mean, it was freaking in fucking sane. To begin, Yuki Tsunoda did not start qualifying, and we would come to find out he would not start the race either. So it was a rough weekend for Yuki. Q1 would give us a quite a shocker with Lewis Hamilton, who would go out in Q1. This is the first time that he went out in Q1 since Brazil of 2017 when he crashed out. But before that, Lewis Hamilton did not go out in Q1 on pure pace since Silverstone back in 2009. 2009. I was a freshman in high school. I was trying to do the math on that. Thank you for saying that. I would have been in fifth grade. Right? Yeah, fifth grade. I was a freshman, ninth grade. Yeah, you would have been fifth grade. Fifth grade. So that's insane to me that it's taken this long. And I was honestly... My heart went out to him. I was really upset for him. I mean, it was, I, painful. Hearing his voice on the radio, I'm sorry. If you don't like Lewis Hamilton, go fuck yourself. He's amazing. He deserves all the credit in the goddamn world. But if you don't, if you did not empathize for him and what he sounded like on that radio, you are heartless. I mean, he was distraught saying like apologizing to the entire Mercedes team was horrific to hear. Just going to say that. It was one of the most non-crash gut-wrenching moments I've had watching Formula One in a while. Just because to do so poorly when the expectations for him are so high – it's it's hard to watch. It's heartbreaking. I like and I'm I just talking about it. I'm like getting a little emotional about it. I I really have no words. I mean, 2009 is the last time that he went out in Q1 on pure pace. I was a freshman. Like I, I say that twice because that kind of disgusts me. <laughs> that was literally like four no 13, 13 years ago. Years ago. okay i can't think about that too much it makes my heart hurt um (laughs) 
It makes my heart hurt. But the bottom five slowest cars were all Mercedes power unit cars. So it was two Williams, two Aston Martins, and one Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton. Q2. Um, Q2 was when we saw the horrific Mick Schumacher crash. I mean, when I say horrific, I don't think I've screamed at the TV in not excitement since the Roman Grosjean crash. I even knew it was coming because I was watching delayed. So I had already gotten, I was probably like 30 minutes behind. So I knew it was coming. I'd seen the tweets. I'd already gotten the notification that it had happened and knowing it was coming and then seeing the crash and no, it was, like I said, it was the worst crash. It was the worst thing I've seen on television since the Roman Grosjean crash. And if you've seen the pictures since his car was in fucking two pieces. The fact that he is okay is insane and and a testament to the safety features. The fact that he was walking and back in the paddock the next day, I am so grateful that F1 has completely focused on safety. And again, we have to thank the halo. We have to thank the halo. And I do think that we have to thank a lot of the safety measures beyond the halo that have come into place over the last couple of years. You know, the additional um, measures that they take in to ensure that like the car, when it does have incidences like that, that it, you know, the engine separates, the fuel doesn't leak. There's no risk of it igniting like the Roman Grosjean incident. Because it could have been just so, it could have been so much worse than it was. And I'm really struggling from words right now. I'm really struggling right now. We're going to, we're going to wrap this qualifying discussion <laughs> up here quickly. Um, okay. So additionally, Q2, Daniel, Danny Rick did make it to Q2. So better than last weekend. Um, so he was there with Lando Norris. However, Danny Rick would get a three place grid penalty um, for impeding Esteban Ocon on turn nine in Q2. So he would qualify 12th, but he would ultimately start 14th, right? 14th? Yep. After the withdrawal of Mick Schumacher, he should have been 15th when Mick withdrew. He was up to 14th. I did the math there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Q3 was the shocker, though. I mean... We had science on provisional pole, then Leclerc grabbed provisional pole, and then Perez grabbed it from Charles. It was insane. The last couple of minutes were incredible. Like I said before, I don't think I've seen a Q3 like that in a minute. Um, it was insane to watch those three amazing flying laps back to back to back. It was kind of shocking to see Verstappen only be able to qualify fourth, but incredible to watch Carlos, Carlos, incredible to watch Sergio Perez get his first pole position. This was the first pole position for a Mexican driver. It was the f- his first pole position on his 215th race weekend. So he now holds the record or like one of the worst records ever of having to go 215 races before getting his maiden pole. He took that from Mark Webber. Who had like 130, I think, if I'm remembering correct. That that sounds right. This was also the first pole position for Red Bull Powertrain. And it was only the second time that Sergio Perez has outqualified Max Verstappen, which I thought was interesting. 
in their year and two races that they've been together, only twice has he outqualified Max. Um, but but the shocker that I was not aware of was going to happen was that it was Gordon Ramsay who handed him his like pole position, the wheel tire, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like my brain cannot handle this right now. Why is Gordon here? <laughs> and why is he not yelling? I, I saw the funniest thing about Gordon Ramsay being there. Someone said, um, can Gordon Ramsay go to the McLaren garage and yell at them for not doing a better job? <laughs> I am unwell in so many ways. <laughs> and with that, I'll take us into the race. Okay, so as Megan said, to start off the Grand Prix, as uh, he was headed to the grid, Yuki Tsunoda had engine issues, so he did not end up starting the race. And then it was lights out, and away we went for a pretty clean start. Perez got away well. He covered Charles Leclerc's move, and then Carlos Sainz was forced to the outside. So Max was side-by-side with Carlos and managed to pull ahead into, into third place. Lando got around Gasly, and... Um, Zhao slipped actually back to the pack, to the back of the pack after he had a little touch with Daniel Ricardo. And then for the first, I want to say 12-ish laps, maybe a little bit more, we saw this like heart in my lap racing between the two Alpines. And let me tell you, does Esteban Ocon love to battle his teammate when he is in a pink car? It took me back to the uh force india racing point days with sergio perez what about you megan yeah um i'm sorry it was insane to watch on track but more importantly (laughs) i have never heard atmar sound so stressed i think atmar was like he was like i could feel his knuckle like his I could feel him white knuckling his like whatever table he had or chair because I was like, oh, my God, that man must be so stressed right now. Stressed. Because could you imagine a double DNF on their second race? And they were in um, sixth and seventh. Like that would have been a total wash. So and he was and Otmar basically was like, we just need to keep Botas behind us. Like this is not about the two of them racing each other. It's like. We need to cover Valtteri. And the two of them were like, we will race each other. And they actually ended up flipping back and forth a couple times with Fernando having a little bit more pace. And it was Valtteri who was stuck behind them. So they were feisty for, I would say, the majority of the first half of the race with both Valtteri and K-Mag kind of getting into that battle for sixth. Ocon eventually finished the race ahead of that whole grouping in sixth place. So that battle, he actually won it. And then moving on, in lap 16, we saw this incredible fake out by Ferrari where they thought they were going to pit Charles Leclerc, but Sergio Perez ended up pitting and dropping down to fifth when he returned to the track. And they pulled off, Ferrari pulled off that fake out. Moments later... Latifi oversteered, overcorrected, and slammed into the wall, causing a safety car, which was super unfortunate for Perez, who literally had just pitted and lost out pitting under the safety car. And when you pit under the safety car, you're able to save some time lost. And so he was unable to do that. I will note that Latifi did not seem to look very happy in his Williams all weekend. So ending in a DNF 
kind of made a lot of sense. Wish he didn't throw it in the wall yet again to change the whole race, but here we are. I would like to point out, so we were, this is so, this is actually really funny to go back to the bar that I was at. Um, so everyone was, everyone freaked out when Latifi put it to the wall. I think I vaguely remember yelling, why is it always got to be Latifi? <laughs> and then someone yelled, did he just steer into the wall? Because at one point in the coverage, I don't know what angle they had this like one camera at, but it looked like he just was like, and dink into the wall, like dink, dink, dink. <laughs> and the whole place erupted. Like he put it in the wall. And I was like, these people are in, this was the moment I knew these people were actually Formula One fans is that oh, they were I- all in on me yelling, why does it have to be Latifi? And the dude being like, he put it in the wall. I love it. I can't wait to go. I cannot. I feel like I missed out. Not on the hangover, but I missed out. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in lap 37, I'm jumping ahead because there wasn't much action in the middle chunk. There were great overtakes. Uh, Lewis Hamilton made up some places. But in lap 37, going into lap 38, we saw three more DNFs, all due to engine issues. It started with Alonzo being stuck in fourth gear, then Danny Rick lost power, and and finally Valtteri tumbled down the grid, I believe losing power as well. So K-Mag took this opportunity to pit after 38 laps on hard tires. Then the pit lane was closed due to the position of Alonzo and Danny Rick's car. So Lewis, who also had not pitted, was not able to pit until a few laps later where he exchanged his hard tires for some mediums as well. Lewis went on to take 10th in the race where he asked his engineer uh, at the end, do we even, does that position even get points? And again, just to add on to the dumping of sadness for Lewis Hamilton, that also that comment also crushed me. Okay, that comment was crushing, but hilarious. Hilarious. I mean, he literally was like, "Do we even get points?" <laughs> yeah, like I'm so much better than this. I don't even know if tenth place gets a point. <laughs> I died. Literally, my soul died, and then I could not stop laughing about it. <laughs> like you're so good, you don't even know if tenth place has points. You are literally a Formula One driver, and you have no idea that the first 10 drivers get points in a race. (laughs) Because you are never that low in the order. Never that low. He's either out of the points, which is super, super rare, or he's right up there at the top. He's literally either out of the race or at the top. Yeah. I should have said out of the race, my (laughs) B. I'm just deceased. Do we even get points for that? (laughs) Oh, goodness. So in the battle between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, Charles actually won the first safety car restart after Max Verstappen was pushed wide and Charles was able to gain a little track advantage. These two battled hard for the last 20 laps of the race. We saw the same juke in Bahrain with Charles letting Max by just to get DRS and re-overtake Max. On the next lap, I was kind of expecting to see the same thing, but I think Max knew it was coming and and he suffered a lockup anyway, which Charles jumped on that opportunity to put some space in between the two of them. On lap 48... 
nearing the end of the race, it left us with Stroll and Latifi having a run-in after, no, excuse me, Stroll and Albon having a run-in after Alex locked up and collided with Lance during an attempted overtake. Stroll ran off, causing a yellow flag that meant Charles lost out on any opportunity to take the lead back from Max, and Albon will be serving a three-place grid penalty in Australia due to causing this collision. He ended up retiring from the race, which brings us to the last DRS section of the last lap of the race where we saw Charles less than half a second, I believe it was like 0.32 something behind Max, and unfortunately for Charles, Max remained in the lead and won the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. This was the closest winning margin of a race since the 2020 Italian Grand Prix with Charles just half a second behind Max crossing the finish line. Carlos Sainz took third, leaving Checo Perez in fourth. I am so glad I was not able to place any bets on this race because I did not see Max winning at all. I had Carlos Sainz. I even told somebody to bet on Carlos Sainz and they did. (laughs) So uh, sorry about that. Uh I had no I did not think it was gonna be Max at all. In fact, it's so mad. I'm actually so mad that, that Checo got screwed. I don't think he didn't really get screwed. He didn't really get screwed. He had they had no way of knowing that there was gonna be literally a Latifi incident moments later. Yeah. Poor poor timing. Ferrari juked him with that fake pit and then yeah, just Absolute poor timing for for Perez and the team with that safety car. Poor timing for Checo. Great, great timing for Max because he was able to swoop in and um, capitalize because if, if Checo was in the lead. I actually kind of had this thought. I do remember having this thought, actually. I don't remember a lot of my thoughts yesterday. Um, but I did remember having this thought that if – if Checo was in the lead, would they have inverted the cars? Oh, I don't think so. It's too early on in the season. I think they would have. I am fully convinced they would have. You know why I'm fully convinced? Because I'm sorry, the Red Bull pit wall was pissed. Pissed that Checo got a pull. Not not that Red Bull got a pull, that it was Checo and not Max that got one yesterday. If that had been Max getting a pull position, they would have been like, yes! Media Horner would have been like, yes! But yesterday they were like, soft smiles. like Yeah, which is so unfortunate because you've got to be able to celebrate your quote-unquote second driver as much as you celebrate your first driver, like you just do. And I feel for, I feel for Checo, but hey, he's driving for Red Bull and he seems to be all right with it. So, I mean, he's completely fine with it. He's driving for the best team, the favorites right now, I guess. I mean, the, they are, really are the favorites. I mean, Ferrari might be in the lead, but I think Red Bull is genuinely the favorites of the season long term. Um, he's okay with it, but I I do genuinely think that if Checo was one and Max was two, they would have inverted the cars, which is awful, 
But, I mean, Media Horner would have done it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it might have just been way too early in the season to see a call like that. We don't know, though. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. Can we really put anything past Senator Palpatine? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, Katie. Um, let's get into the questions. Um, because the first one is about Alpine. You know I had to ask this question. I feel like you knew this was coming. Was the battle between the two of them even freaking worth it? No, it never. I'm sorry, but battling with your teammate is never worth it unless you're going for the championship, in my mind. And I, if I thought about it maybe a little harder, I could maybe come up with another reason to battle with your teammate. But no, it wasn't worth it. And I said it earlier. There's something about Esteban Ocon being in a pink Formula One car that makes him think that he can battle his teammate. Like, Fernando Alonso had the pace. Just let him by. It and felt I know they not, so you, stupid. It felt it, freaking stupid. Which is exactly why I understand why Otmar was freaking out. Because... I'm surprised we didn't, and maybe I missed this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm surprised that we didn't hear him say, knock it off earlier than when Esteban was told to hold the position after at least five or six laps of them going at it. I think, I don't remember at what point it was, now that I'm thinking back, but I'm pretty sure Atmar was like, we told him to knock it off, but but they didn't. They kept going at it. I don't remember what lap that was at now that I'm thinking back. But, I mean, we're under 10 laps into the Grand Prix. They're running in 6 and 7, P6, P7. The bigger fight is with Valtteri behind them. And, I mean, if the two of them had worked together, they could have moved up. Because we are very, very much aware that... George Russell doesn't have the pace that the Alpines had. I mean, we know that he doesn't have the pace. We know the Mercedes doesn't have the pace. George Russell was, I don't know. First off, they barely talked about George Russell this weekend, even though he was able to put it in, able to make it to Q3 when Lewis Hamilton was out in Q1. But also, he ended the race fifth? Fifth? Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, fifth. Fifth. Just ahead of Ocon and sixth. So realistically, it they should have focused, Alpine should have focused their attention on holding off Altry and taking the fight to George Russell, who at that time was running just ahead of them. But they didn't. And it, it, it literally under 10 laps into the race, the two of them are duking it out. They're lucky they didn't put it into the fucking wall. Both of them. They're lucky they both didn't crash out. It honestly gave me um, Danny Rick and Max Verstappen Baku vibes. Okay. I see that. I do. Especially since, again, I felt like the team wasn't saying much. And then I have it. I just found it in my notes that on lap 14, there was one Ocon was told to hold the position. And then Valtteri got around him. So you're exactly right. Going back a little bit, you're exactly right. Why would you have not have inverted the cars put Alonzo in front of Ocon, and then focused on gaining time ahead of Valtteri and, and again, focusing on 
maybe taking George Russell instead of dicking around. It was a waste of time and energy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Great Them racing. going wheel to wheel was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. It was wild. Everyone was freaking out. There were multiple times where I was like, ah, because I was freaking that they were one of them was going to crash or realistically, there were some close calls. Like when Alonzo tried to go for the gap, the inside gap that did not exist. <laughs> it was not there. <laughs> I was like, here it is. And that was noted by the stewards, I believe, to be reviewed. That little, um, I keep saying the word juke. Sorry, I apologize for saying that. But that little move to close the space that Ocon took. Yeah, I was just, that gave me Max and Daniel vibes. That move right there. Total Max and Daniel vibes. Um, It was cool to watch. I enjoyed it. It was great racing um, in terms of entertainment factor and like, watching but it seems stupid yeah and speaking of potential dnfs and and daniel ricardo who dnf'd and alonzo who dnf'd let's talk a little bit about whether or not this track is the cause or whether or not we're just still experiencing some issues with these cars they're not there yet or whether or not there's another reason for all of the DNFs. I felt like mo- most of them were engine issues, so maybe the latter of the two, but we did have Latifi into the walls, and we did have a couple oversteer moments that caused Albon to DNF as well. I think it's the cars. I just don't think the cars are there yet. It's the second race. It's new specs. We know that the cars aren't there yet. The, t- the teams have not been quiet about that fact that the cars are not there yet. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is like, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Do we think, do you have an estimate on when we think we'll be in better racing mode? How many more races we have to go? Honestly, no, I have no idea. Genuinely no idea. Um, that's why I think this year has been just so hard to get a grip of, like, who – like, people keep asking. Like, before this race, they're like, oh, who do you think is going to win Saudi? And I'm like, no idea. Nothing. Couldn't tell you. No idea. It was, like, probably yeah. a Ferrari. I think we'll be looking a little better in two more races. I just have a feeling that, well, some more things will get figured out next week, and then – I would like to see some improvements for all of the Mercedes-powered cars because they are just shit out of luck. And I don't know if it's coincidence that it's all the Mercedes-powered cars or whether or not there's something more that goes into that that we're not being told. I think this year in general is going to just be like a like a building year for all. Like this year, we're not going to have like optimized performance on these cars at all. It's the first year of the new... Um, the new era um next year i have a feeling like we won't start the season off with this many like engine issues obviously because we'll have a full year under their belts a full year of you know testing of data sets um simulation work i would say you're probably right like two races i think they'll have some of the bugs and the 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 little issues worked out but I say that and then watch, you know, us go to Canada in June and there's like four or five DNFs because of 
engine issues. Like, but it does seem weird. I mean, last week was, oh my God, that was literally just last week. Bahrain. Last week, yeah. (laughs) We saw both Red Bulls go out because of like a, a fuel pump issue. Yeah. This week we th- we saw three people DNF and Yuki c- couldn't even start qualifying or the race. Um, but no, I think it'll be a couple of races. Yeah, it feels odd to me, which I know I keep reminding myself we're in this new era, but it feels uncomfortable to be so lost, I guess is the right way to say it. I mean, it makes it really hard to place bets. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so thankful, actually, that I've been unable to place bets because I'm already thinking about next week, and I've I want to I want to throw some money on someone, but I just I don't know if it's if it's time yet. I might need one more race, but I'll probably end up doing it anyway. <laughs> um, no, I think you should. I mean, whatever. Um, whatever. okay. So my question is kind of about cars. Um. But really, it's I think it's bigger than about the cars. So last year, of course, it's about Lewis Hamilton. So last year, when Lewis was making his, you know, battle back against Max to grab the championship, everyone was like, it's the car. It's the car. It's not Lewis Hamilton's driving ability. It's the car. He has the car. He has the Mercedes. It's the Mercedes. And, you know, even Max Verstappen was like, put me in that car. I would have already won. But this year... This year, his lack of performance is all about the driver. Oh, Lewis Hamilton, it's it, it's his skills. He doesn't have the skills. He's lost his touch. He's lost his touch. So genuinely, full stop, my question is, why can literally no one, not no one, give Lewis Hamilton the credit he deserves? Like, why was it the car last year and now it's the driver this year? I think when you are the GOAT, of your sport. I'm, I've been thinking a lot about Lewis Hamilton in comparison to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, who I am not the biggest fan of. I respect him, though. I respect him as an athlete. I respect that he is the greatest of all time, one could argue, in the NFL. But being the greatest of all time, there's always going to be someone picking apart your skill, your style, your athleticism, whatever it may be. However, I think with Lewis Hamilton, it's a little different because a lot of the times the race card gets played. A lot of the times he is not put on the pedestal he deserves to be on in comparison to a Tom Brady, a Serena Williams, a Michael Phelps, any of the greats that we have seen. So I'm not sure why he never gets the credit he deserves because he truly does deserve it. He's a seven-time world champion. A seven-time world champion. I mean, this weekend... That should be that he, should be all I have to say. That's it. This weekend, he literally had his 180th Grand Prix with Mercedes. Beating out Michael Schumacher's record with Ferrari. You don't get to stay around in this sport for 180 Grand Prix with one team if you are not a good driver. 
if you are not a phenomenal driver. You don't win seven world championships, right? Like, I just don't get it. Why can no one give him the credit? Not no one. I mean, I say that facetiously. But a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. I think truly this year it is the car. And we know that. I think us Lewis Hamilton stands, fans, whatever we want to call it, supporters, know that the car is not allowing Lewis to drive at his full ability. That we know he can. I don't know why we're questioning it. I have no idea. It's baffling. I could to say me. this I could say the same about Charles. For year for years, for a couple of years, not years. <laughs> He has been placed in a car that has not given him the ability to show what he can do. And in just the past two races, we've been reminded why Ferrari gave Charles one of the longest contracts in history. Because he does have the skills. He does. He does have the skills. And speaking of having skills to be in Formula One, I'm going to ask a little bit of a dirty question. What is Latifi doing in Formula One? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. None. Yeah, I, I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with it, and I don't know if I'm just being overly critical or I'm questioning the thing that I'm supposed to be questioning. But I've been really disappointed with that man forever. Yeah, he's never shown me greatness. And so I is it the money? So technically Nicholas Latifi is a pay driver. I mean technically he is. He comes from a billionaire family. I mean his dad is the CEO of Sofina Foods. Um which is his primary sponsorship. I don't know. He had two crashes this weekend. Um, I don't really know what he's doing. Full stop. No no idea. Um, Joe Scapito even freaking joked that he, and the livery revealed that he basically got to stay in Formula One because Latifi liked Nutella. <laughs> like, that was like a joke at the livery and I, uh, reveal. And I was like, oh. We're going to just put this in on the internet, into the world. Like, <laughs> this feels a little too accurate, Jost. Um, I don't know. It's, it's confusing to me because he did have – he did have – he showed a lot in F2. This is his third year in F1. I mean, in his last year in F2, he won six races and he finished runner-up behind Nick DeVeers. So to me, I I guess I'm just like a little confused because he showed promise when he was in F2. Now he's in F1. I get he's in a slow car. I get he doesn't really have the ability to show us. But I mean, Alex Albon came back and he's giving us a lot more in that slow car than, than Latifi is. Yeah, I so, mean, he finished... I- I was just looking, sorry to interrupt, but um, Alex finished 13th in Bahrain and 14th in Saudi Arabia, which is 
can I use the word incredible compared to where Williams was last year in 17th, 18th, 19th? I think the word's incredible. I think incredible is a good word considering comparatively, if you compare the two drivers. I mean, Alex was out last year. He did not drive in Formula One last year. He was around. He was around, yeah. But he was not a driver on the grid last year. And he showed up this year, got back in a car, and is outperforming Latifi. And so what's the point of him being there other than the money? I I, I just also, I think my other issue with it is that there's a lot of other drivers that I think deserve to be in that spot. That could show us more. I'm not saying, and here's the thing, I'm not saying he's not a good driver. You have to be a great driver to make it to Formula One. So clearly he was a great driver or is a great driver to have made it this far. But we're not getting much from him. And so um, it seems kind of stupid that he's there. And like I said, he likes to crash into walls. He declared it. He declared it. Maybe we should just, maybe Julian Palmer should have called it a Latifi'd. He Latifi'd it. He Latifi'd it. Maybe we'll coin that. <laughs> I don't know. It it seems stupid to me, and it it's frustrating. But I'm not Jost, and maybe Jost kept him for the Nutella hookup. <laughs> Speaking of frustration, let's get into our losers and our winners. us off with your loser Megan yes so uh my loser is uh as everyone probably can already guess is Lewis Hamilton I feel like this is a no-brainer he didn't get out of Q1 due to having the wrong setup in qualifying um where Lewis Hamilton literally said the car was undrivable and he was so nervous in the car in in qualifying so to me that's crazy for Lewis to say that he was nervous in a Formula One car um He ended the race on Sunday in P10, scoring just one point, not even knowing that position had points attached to it. (laughs) He has made it very clear that there is a lot of work for Mercedes to do in the two weeks heading into Australia. You know what? I think Mercedes can probably pull it off. They are Mercedes for all. For At the end of the day, I think they can do it. Um, I haven't discounted them on the season at all. I've have no doubt that they could probably come back and and take the fight to both Red Bull and Ferrari before the end of the year, but they do have a lot of work to do. Um, But it's just heartbreaking to see what happened to Lewis. In fact, not to go back to the bar, the other thing that I'm just remembering that happened. She's having flashbacks. She's in that moment of hungover where someone's talking about something and you're like, oh, that's a memory. I just had another another memory when the whole bar lost their shit when K Mag went around Lewis and the and someone I don't know who it was yelled, That's something we never thought we'd see. <laughs> oh my god. Like the timing was incredible. This dude was just like, and that's something. <laughs> and that's something we never thought we'd see. Honestly. Kevin Magnuson going around Lewis Hamilton couldn't have predicted it myself. Put up, couldn't have put money on it either. 
Did anyone have that on their F1 2022 bingo board? <laughs> oh, we should make a bingo board. We should. That's actually a great idea. We'll do that. Stay tuned. We'll do that before Australia. Maybe. We could probably do it. We have two weeks. If we Mercedes can do all weeks. of the work, we can do all of the work. Yeah, we can make a bingo card if Mercedes can pull their heads out of their asses. Tomorrow, not today. That was harsh. That was Tomorrow, harsh. Tomorrow, not today. Tomorrow, Tomorrow. not today. Not today. <laughs> Maybe Thursday, actually. Come on. Do your right. loser. I'm fading. Loser, sorry. Megan's fading fast. We'll get through it. Okay, loser, Sergio Perez. Gutted for him. Poor timing on that pit stop. We already talked about it, but it was just left him in this, like, silly position, and he was unable to give us his third win, I believe, and I was at least expecting a podium. I don't know if I had him winning the race, but I would have put money on him being on podium, so unfortunate for that. I'll do my winner, winner? then. Yeah, I'll do my your winner. winner. Yep, you're up. I don't really yep. have anything else to say about Sergio because, I mean, we know it was just so unfortunate for him. Just like it was unfortunate for Lewis. But my winner, my winner is Charles Leclerc. He might not have Love won it. the race, but he got his, he got, a, he was on podium. He started second. He ended second. So he, he lost no positions, but he only missed out winning by like 0.549 seconds. So it was close. It was close. It was not a blowout by Red Bull. Ferrari is right there. I do think that while Red Bull is the favorite for this year, Ferrari is like, if Red Bull's the favorite, Ferrari is like the second a child. smidgen below them, just like a hair below them in terms of favorite. And that last second duel with Max was incredible to watch. Even Charles Leclerc was like, look, if every race can be like this, that's incredible. So to me, he is, again, like – he has the skills, and while yesterday was not a victory for him, I have no doubt that he's going to win many more races this year and next year because Ferrari has given him the car that he deserves and really the car that will allow him to be successful. What was my next point I was going to make about him? I've got one. He is also an incredible sportsman. The post-race interview when they were asked, when he was asked about uh, battling Max, he is just an incredible sportsman. And I think that's an important point to make. Agreed. Because he wasn't even at all, like, he was obviously disappointed that he lost. But he was like, this was fun. Like, this was hard yeah. racing and this hard racing was good racing. And it's not over. And yeah, I'm disappointed, but here comes Australia. And I have no doubt we're going to see more of this like wheel-to-wheel battle between him and Max. And it's going to be phenomenal to see. I will be thankful to not see it on the tight tracks of Jeddah again, <laughs> though. It was a little too... Uh, dicey. Dicey, uh, terrifying <laughs> for me. I was nervous. I, I watched it late and I was still nervous. <laughs> you knew what was going to happen and you were still I knew out. I knew it was all going to be okay and I was still nervous. <laughs> all right. So my winner was Max. Super Max. First one of the 2022 season. Well, on the way to defending his title. All in all, had a nice race and only fell for Charles's moves once this time. So, again, 
just as you said, I'm super excited to see them continue this battle. I didn't talk to you about this, but I chose Kevin Magnuson as our honorable mention, and I hope you're all right with that. Oh, I think it's a he was going to be my honorable mention. So I guess it, it's perfect that we didn't discuss. We came to the same conclusion. <laughs> awesome. He drove an excellent race, especially at this track, which he's never raced before. And we got lots of reports that he was having incredible neck pain. Uh, so I think all in all, taking, uh, what was he, sixth? Yes, right? No, seventh. No, seventh. ninth. He was in ninth. I apologize. I'm having a Megan moment. <laughs> I'm literally hungover, Megan so moment. done with this today. <laughs> <laughs> but he drove 38 laps on hard tires, had battles for 6th and 7th with Alonzo, and yes, managed to take ninth place in just his second race back to Formula 1. So here is where we would normally have our hidden gem, but um, Katie and I have come to the conclusion, we actually did discuss this, um, that we are not going to have a hidden gem for this race. Um, And instead, I'm going to take this time to say my honest feelings about the fact that we should not and should never again race in Jeddah or Saudi Arabia, for that matter, Um, on Friday which we've already talked about, an oil depot approximately nine miles from the track. I think it was actually seven now that I'm saying nine. Um, It was 10 kilometers, seven miles from the track was blown up by Yemen's Houthi rebels or Houthi rebels. I think I mispronounced that. I apologize. FP2 was delayed by 15 minutes. And then there was a four and a half hour meeting that night, Friday night with the drivers where a significant number of them expressed their concerns about safety following the attack. Ultimately, they were convinced to race. While we don't actually know what happened in those meetings, we do know that um, F1 bosses Stefano Stefano Domenicali and Ross Braun were involved in those. They left, they came back, yada, yada. We do have some reports that part of that conversation was that the drivers, if they decided not to race, would face, you know, trouble leaving the country. I don't know what context that was set in. Part of me has or some articles hint that it was the government saying that they would shut down the airports. Other articles indicate that it would be a logistic nightmare to get everyone out of there safely. I don't know what of that is true. I don't know if we'll ever know what part of that is true. What I do know is that Going into this weekend, there were questions on whether or not we should race in Saudi Arabia due to the human rights abuses. You know, the the state-sponsored murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the fact that in March, I think it was March 12th, if I'm correct, on the date there was a state execution of 81 individuals. There are a lot of issues with the Saudi Arabian government. To say it in plain, just the truth right there. A lot of issues. Many drivers, including Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, have both expressed concern about racing here. And I think now that we have literally had a race weekend that has been interrupted by a 
an attack, a missile attack on an Aramco oil facility 10 miles from the track-ish, that draws another level of scrutiny on whether or not we should ever go back to Jeddah. First off, because of what the government allows and condones and the actions that the government takes. Second off, because of the safety of everyone involved in the event. Third, because the track itself is pretty fucking dangerous. Sergio Perez said that last year and said it again this year. So uh, maybe there's some questions on whether or not we should just race there, have cars go vroom vroom there, considering there were a lot of uh, crashes in F2. I just, I feel like we can't have a hidden gem in a country and at a racetrack where um, we shouldn't be racing to begin with. What are your thoughts? I just went on a tirade. No, I completely agree. And that's why I kind of let Megan go on her little tirade because it is really hard to see and hear when drivers have concerns And when engineers and other team members don't even get to share their concerns, are then completely dismissed, threatened, and told that the race must go on. So I completely support Megan and Mai's decision to not have a hidden gem this week as we should not be racing there. But guess what? We probably will because cash is king. Cash is king. All right. I know you don't want to talk about it, but I want to talk about it. Let's talk about fantasy. I'm actually okay talking about it because I made a massive jump. Massive. Okay, good. So I kept my same team. I had Carlos Sainz, Pierre Gasly, Kevin Magnuson, Charles Leclerc, Mick Schumacher, and Ferrari. And I am currently leading the league with 2,044 points. And I hope that this beauty continues. So my team, I will admit Katie's beating me. So, eh. but I was in 17th going into this weekend and now I'm in 10th. So massive, massive jump. My team is Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Kevin Magnuson, Lance Stroll. And then I have Alpha Tari. Um, and I have, I don't know how many points I have. Uh, you have 1,789. So just 3,000. She's mathing. 2,000 2, points behind me-ish. I think 1,500. We're horrible at math. I don't know why we try to do it on live. <laughs> it's fine. I'm mounting a Brazil 2021 comeback. So, uh. Don't worry, everyone. Don't worry. Katie will be the one that gets a tattoo that I pick. I'm pretty excited about it. I might get a matching one. I've already got some things that I've been brainstorming. (laughs) 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 All right. So up next, we have a week break before the Australian Grand Prix. I'm so excited to be going back to Australia. But we have a special announcement. Join us next week as we begin our deep dives into the constructors. And a little birdie tells me it just might be the really fast red cars. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pot on Twitter and Instagram. 
Until next time, stay dirty.